The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Atlantic Files, the number one podcast on the number one division in the NBA, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Joined by your hosts, myself, Alex Fishbein. We got Dennis Clausen, and today we got Brady from the Tap That Podcast. What's going on, guys? I thought that was Mike. <laughs> I thought that was a really better, a much better looking version of Mike. Good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. And this God, time... look at that. Uh, sorry to interrupt. They just that beard that my man's got. Look at I that. I know. Comes and goes, man. It's, it's uh, getting a little warm for it right now, though. We bring we bring on a guy with a huge beard the moment I shave mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mine's still looking good. I mean, yours always looks good, Dennis. And look at... I mean... Know. Hair's on point as did usual. You, did you get another haircut or uh, Friday? Friday, Friday. I go ten. Okay. Do ten days. Okay. But the problem is, is, yeah, you usually what happens is, is that the beard, the hair, maybe I could stretch it out to two weeks, but the beard starts to get really sloppy. Mm. So I just kind of just consolidate because I'm not going to make two separate trips to the barber shop. I mean, you could. I don't want to. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but this time we actually have a Memphis Grizzlies fan in in Brady down here. We uh, very rarely have anybody non Eastern Conference, let alone anything Memphis. So it uh, it should be interesting. We'll definitely talk some Memphis. We'll talk some Atlantic here. Um, and well, actually, he's a hillbilly. You're a hillbilly too, right? You're Kentucky, so. Yeah, you know, it spreads all over. Like where I'm at in Lexington going to school in Kentucky, I get like Pacers coverage. I get Grizzlies coverage. So I, I, the Pacers are like my Eastern Conference team, but I, I've, my loyalty has really gone more de facto Grizzlies over the last few years, and it's really paying off big time this year. Okay. okay. And how many, uh, how many bowls have you smoked today, Brady? <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. Uh-huh. How many bowls have you smoked, Dennis? I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> Can't even Do answer your own if question. I smoked, if I smoked weed, I'd be fucking... I wouldn't even be on this show right now. I wouldn't be able to handle that. <laughs> Do I, I look like the kind of guy who needs to eat anymore? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying you need to, but... Yeah. It is mm-hmm. what it is at this point, you know? <laughs> Alright, but anyway... um. I'm also glad you said Pacers because TJ McConnell's the man. Just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, TJ McConnell, one of the great UDFA steals in NBA history, bar none. I actually wrote an article for Roto Bowler a few years ago about all the UDFAs that had, like, fantasy potential as rookies, and TJ McConnell was, like, top of the list that year. Oh, yeah. I still have him on my Dynasty fantasy team. <laughs> Bang for your buck, you can't beat it. Exactly. He was my starting point guard, not this past season, but the season before. So, but I hope get... he was a start for you uh, this last season. I mean, he could have because I was tanking this year anyway. So, <laughs> but, 
But either way, let's get into it. Let's start off. We'll start off with East and then we'll work our way to West and get to Memphis and everything. So obviously one of the big things in the news. So Joel Embiid broke his face. Pascal Siakam's elbow to the face gave him the orbital fracture, the same kind of fracture, except I think it's the opposite side that he had a few years ago when he ran into Markel Fultz's shoulder. Um, Coincidentally enough, he returned in the playoffs that year against the Miami Heat. So now they're facing the Miami Heat again. Game one, first half, wasn't too terrible as the Sixers were up by a point at halftime. And then it all went downhill from there and the Sixers got blown out. So, do you guys fault Doc Rivers for playing Embiid that late? And do you think that the Sixers have any sort of chance in this series or any sort of chance to win at least one game until Embiid comes back? We'll start with you, Dennis. Uh, Well, I was going to let our guests go first, but okay. So, the the first thing that we need to uh, discuss is why the fuck was Joel Embiid playing when the team is up by 29 and what was there, four minutes left? About that, yeah. And then Doc's only comeback was, well, they were playing their guys. Yeah, no shit they're playing their guys because (laughs) they still think they have a chance to win even though they don't. But um, both of the coaches were dumb for having – their starting lineups in. I mean, injuries could still happen, as you could see. What, what happens if uh, Pascal Siakam tears an ACL with four minutes left in a meaningless uh, fourth quarter? Like, nothing's going to happen. So, yeah, they're both of those guys are stupid, but Doc Rivers is a guy who's even more dumb for keeping Embiid in the lineup that long. Now, I think that the issue is I, I I probably would guess that Embiid, once he clears concussion protocol, that he will be in the lineup and he'll be back with the face mask again. So I could see that definitely happening. So this may be the last game where Embiid is not playing, but I could see him coming back. How effective will he be on top of that? He's, he, he's getting over concussion. His vision may be restricted with the with the the face mask, and he still has that thumb injury that now really nobody's ever talking about. So he's going to have to have surgery on that in the offseason, so he's getting banged up pretty good right now. I mean, so if we're talking about the fault of Doc, then, like, yeah, of course, like, hindsight's twenty twenty, but hindsight's pretty, you know, I, I don't know what better vision is than twenty twenty. I know that there's a measurement better. But, of course, like, looking back, it's, it seems pretty silly to have the guy in the game that's, you know, the, the outcome is not in question, and now he's hurt, now you're facing, you know, looking at a deficit going into this series. Obviously, you look at that, and that's a huge mistake that could really affect uh, their postseason prospects. Now, if the question is, can the Sixers pull off at least one win before Embiid comes back? Sure. I you know, I definitely see a scenario in which the, the Sixers can get a win uh, before Embiid comes back. That's that's the nature of the NBA playoffs. The Heat are a very well-rounded team, um, but they don't have, you know, an X factor probably quite as strong as, as James Harden, no matter where you see it in the lineup. So, 
yeah, of course they can get a win. But unfortunately, they're going to have to do it now without Joel Embiid. That's way tougher than they were planning on having any game this, uh, you know, for this postseason. So it, it's really unfortunate that they're going to have to deal with that. But yeah, they, they can win a game. And really, that's all they're going to need before he gets back to have a chance to come out victorious in this series. So the only way, though, that I see, I, I could see a beat coming back in game three. So that's the, here's another uh, Dennis prediction. So I could see okay. a beat coming back game three. However, in order for the Sixers to have a chance, right, James Harden, I mean, what the fuck was that in game one? I mean, you would have hoped, right, that without a beat in the lineup that there would be some resurrection of the James Harden of old. Instead, he's still doing this stuff. Instead of taking the offense into his hands, he's trying to be the facilitator. He's trying to get other guys. Okay, great. But James Harden was his best version when he was the guy playing ISO. Now, can he do that anymore, especially in today's NBA with the rules and stuff structured the way they are? I don't know, but he's not a horrible player. He just needs to get his act together. So, hey, stay out of the strip club and start shooting, for fuck's sake. <laughs> but it's, one of those, it's one of those situations where it's like, this is what you get time and time again, year after year, for tethering your championship hopes to a player like James Harden. When it comes down to him being the only guy, the efficiency is just not there to get it done over a seven-game series. It's it just... You know, who do you really blame in that situation? It seems to me like I would blame any organization that would choose to invest that amount of money in James Harden to get it done in this scenario. Well, they had no choice because they ran Ben Simmons out of Philadelphia. Well, so. that was also, a you know, that that's another situation that they probably shouldn't have got themselves in, I would, have, I would say. I, I mean, he hasn't played for Brooklyn yet either. He's got a bad back. <laughs> so you can't even say it seriously. <laughs> and then, and then here's the. Th it's nice to see Tobias Harris step step up in Game One, but where the Agreed. hell was Ty Tyrese Maxey? Yeah, Maxey has been. Maxey was pretty bad in the two losses against Toronto, and then he was really bad last night. Um, but I mean, the entire team couldn't hit a shot to save their lives last night either. I Paul mean, Reed wasn't bad. Paul Reed was good, and I've kept saying play Paul. You're going to make me get on this whole rant because DeAndre Jordan is fucking garbage. How garbage. did you feel when you saw DeAndre Jordan check into the game? I was I mean. pissed. He started. <laughs> He's, we watched a game in 2022 where DeAndre Jordan started a playoff game, which is insane to me. I would have started Charles Bassey before him, and let I, alone I, Paul I Reed. I would have Thank started you. Paul, put Paul, Paul Millsap in the lineup over DeAndre Jordan. I would have too, but, I mean, he did come in a little bit in that game and was also terrible, but less terrible than DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> well, then they did this thing where they were playing small and they had Tobias Harris playing center for a, a, or playing big at least for a while. So, And it kind of worked a little. They they when they were had that lineup, they came back and like were actually like looking like they could actually win this game. Yeah. But if I remember correctly, Tobias Harris and DeAndre Jordan both ended up being minus twenty two in the plus minus. However, Tobias Harris played about like thirty six, thirty seven minutes. 
and DeAndre Jordan played 17. So in the 17 minutes on the floor, DeAndre Jordan was a minus 22. And there was even hold on, I have I have to. And I'm bring surprised that. DeAndre Jordan didn't uh, fucking tear an ACL playing that much. Exactly, and so so the Sixers with DeAndre Jordan off the court. Had a 103 offensive rating, 91 defensive rating, plus 11.6 net. DeAndre Jordan on the court, which is only 17 minutes, 90.6 offensive rating, 159.4 defensive rating, a negative 68.8 net rating. You don't even have to know numbers to know from the sound of those <laughs> that they're bad. Exactly. Like, that was some, like, all-time level bad from DeAndre Jordan. And Doc Rivers had the nerve to say in the press conference, we like DeAndre, and we're going to keep starting him whether you like it or not. I mean, what is it? For one, that's his boy from when they were in L.A. together. I mean, you yeah. Know, that's his boy. And then, too, obviously, you can't really trust what Doc Rivers said because here's Doc Rivers playing uh, Joel Embiid with four minutes left when you're up by 29. Also, he was quoted in saying, we're going to run the offense through James Harden, which obviously that didn't work either. So maybe the Lakers will take him. (laughs) I'd be fine with that. Take him off our hands. As long as... The only thing that's annoying is, like, now the rumors of, like, oh, the Sixers are just trying to get Mike D'Antoni. We don't need to run the D'Antoni whole thing back again. Absolutely. That doesn't have to happen. Then go to the Western Conference Finals a couple times? I mean, a while back, yeah, with prime James Harden. I'll give him that. Yeah, maybe maybe DeAndre Jordan will sign somewhere else, and then he'll uh, he'll back out on that once he gets cornered in someone's house for a few days again. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot that even happened. It bugs me to this day, man. Like that that whole Clippers thing was like I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that situation. Like, man, why are you trying to do this on your own? You can't do this on your own. Come back to LA. We're- <laughs> We're going to the Western Conference semifinals every other year. <laughs> well, you we're we're, we're going to notoriously underachieve. <laughs> well, you got to think, too, like when you look at Texas, right? There's snakes, there's spiders, there's all these things. And once he probably found out about that, he's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Fair enough. He's like, we're talking about the same place the Alamo is? Nah, I'm going to stay in California. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> but no. Um, like Brady said, hindsight is definitely twenty twenty in terms of the Doc Rivers playing Embiid thing. If he if he made it through that time without getting hurt, nobody would even care about it. Um, I do agree that they yeah they probably should have been sitting, um, but at the same time, there's it was no like, shit about it. No, but what at the same time, should've? when you're when you're a player destroying the other team at their stadium. And their fans have been saying "fuck Embiid" the entire time. You want your little victory lap? Okay, you but they—they they get their victory lap by winning the series. And as a coach, as a coach, you got to protect your players. You got to protect their egos. You got to pull them out in these situations because you know these guys won't stop playing. It's his job as a coach to get them out of there. I mean, that is true. 
But it's exactly. also a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing in the modern NBA where any amount you pull back or, or a starter isn't playing, people are going to say it's, it's too soft and indicative of the modern NBA. That doesn't excuse the decision. But it right. does say that in hindsight, had he done something different, I'm sure there'd be some percentage of people that would have some sort of complaint about it. Okay. I mean – Enough. I mean, I'm not he, saying it's right, Dennis. I'm just saying <laughs> that there would be people that would say that. Enough, Eddie. Exactly. It's, I'm not saying it's the right decision either. I'm just saying he probably would have gotten ripped. Like, say he takes him beating everybody out, and the Raptors started creeping slowly back in the game. You know how many of those memes of Doc Rivers blowing leads that there would have been? Even if they, even if they still won, but only won by, like, 10. Like Okay, but no, <laughs> they would have won the series. No, I know, but I'm just saying Doc Rivers was going to get ripped either way. They had nothing to worry about, though. They got Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan on the bench. (laughs) you got to have a short memory in today's NBA. If you're living meme to meme, your decision-making is not going to be on par. you know, you got to be able to to grin and bear through those memes and just just remember that tomorrow there will be another one about somebody (laughs) else. That's the thing. I don't think Doc Rivers has the mental capacity to do that. Because, like, when they, that press conference, when they were grilling him about his choked leads, and he was like, I want you to go back and look at that magic team that I took. I want you to go back and see the other seeds that these teams were. Like, you guys would give me credit. You would say, I coached my ass off. I'm like, whoa, you're being a little defensive there. Just let it go. <laughs> yeah, now you said, you said grilling. I want a hamburger. <laughs> I still got to put my grill together. I just got it. Get your shit together. <laughs> Look, man, I don't like putting it's, stuff It's grilling season. It's grilling season. It, that's why I never buy things from Ikea either, because I don't want to put shit together. I just put a dog cage together for my uh, dog. We don't do those either because they, our dog has broken three of them. Yeah, Metals. for some for some reason, I, I, I don't know how this is happening, but he managed to escape. So I had to, like, reinforce the reinforced part of it. Ah, uh, okay. So anybody who says dogs are dumb, they're not really that dumb. They're just not as smart as cats. True. <laughs> hey. Different, different goals and motives. Yeah, exactly. Tyler's here. <laughs> there he hey. is. Free Paul Reed. We agree. We completely yes. agree. Um, so. Like, what's a cat's motive, though? Just whatever is best for them. Yeah, to be an asshole, literally. Literally, they just want to get out of the cage just so they can say, fuck you, I got out of the cage. Well, what's a cat in a cage, man? That's, you're well, asking saying... for some sort of retribution once they get out. I'm saying... No saying... other cats hate you. <laughs> I'm saying, hypothetically, if you put a cat in the cage, which cats don't need to go in a cage because they can behave themselves when they're home by themselves. Sure. Dogs, they want to get out of the cage because they think they're going to try to find their owner because they can't do anything but follow their owners around. I mean, the thing is, Maybe cats, they are, are stupid. cats are just assholes because they're the ones that sit on the ledge and just, like, knock shit off. And they're just like, <laughs> yep, go get it. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Stick its middle, its middle claw up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I do think the Sixers can definitely pull off a win without Embiid, especially because last night the Heat didn't look good until, like, the very end of the third quarter. They finally started shooting better. Uh, Struess couldn't shoot. Um, Lowry not being there is a big hole in their defense. Bam out I mean, of bio had a good game, though. And Tyler Hero obviously went off. 
But the Sixers, this one sec, the Sixers didn't even Sorry. attack Tyler Hero when the last time they played, they literally just abused that mismatch every time. They just attacked Tyler Hero over and over and over again. And this game, they were just kind of, it didn't really happen. And I mean, Harden only attempted four shots in the second half. So, yeah, that was a recipe for disaster on both sides. Well, it's about time uh, Bam did anything because he didn't do anything in the Atlanta series. Besides That's suck. True. That's true. So, but, I mean, the, the Heat probably had half their team on the injury report. Struess was on the injury report. Martin was on the injury report. Markeith Morris. They have some mysterious respiratory virus going around. Uh, Tyler Butler. Hero is questionable. Butler's uh, always on there. Butler's always on there. Lowry's... You know how I feel about him. So the Heat were <laughs> that the Heat is good. It, it, this always happens, especially with Jimmy Butler, which is why for one he's a pain in the ass. Two, he's always hurt with something. Who misses a playoff game because of sore knee? Joel Embiid sometimes. <laughs> ben Simmons. <laughs> that's the reason to side. That is for something internal. That, that Sorry, that that's a, by a doctor with a medical. That's a sore degree. butt. <laughs> well, sore butt. If you think it's sore butt, sore ass is Jimmy Butler's on the injury report this season because of his ass. Was he really? Yeah, it was like a tailbone ass issue. Oh, <laughs> that does sound bad. That does sound really bad. <laughs> Especially if uh. Mike fell on his ass. I'm sure he has. Oh. He's probably he probably was out a few weeks. <laughs> um, all right, so moving on, I want to talk to I want to especially hear Dennis and Brady. We're definitely going to get your way in on this one. We'll say Dennis's for second. Is that a fat joke? It could be if you want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting choice of words. Way in. <laughs> Yeah, I got the scale back here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, our Brooklyn guy. What do they do now? Do they extend Kyrie? Do they trade Ben Simmons? Bruce Brown is going to need a contract, and he was a big piece of that team. And we have Dan coming in here. He said, Dennis knows all about sore asses. So, <laughs> Dennis, we're going to come to you about Ben Simmons. <laughs> uh... So, Brady, what do you think? Where should the Nets go from here? All right, well, first of all, let's start with this Ben Simmons trade concept. Is like, who else besides that? There's other teams, sure, that might fall into that sort of trap. But, like, who's going to be the suitor for that? Are we going to see another three months on ESPN of where is he going to go? TMZ Sports here today. Like, I, I'm, I don't want to go through another period of coverage on that. But, I mean, I certainly don't think that you move forward with your future plan saying, oh, how does Ben Simmons factor into how we become a championship? No. They, there's no way that you still have that legitimate feeling as a pro sports franchise and as a front office. Do you extend Kyrie? Uh, I don't know. This was a weird year for Kyrie Irving, and maybe it gets a little less weird as, as, as time moves on. 
I think that it's hard to say what they do now with this current roster because what I think that they need is a serious reevaluation of how they do things as a front office if they chose to tether their hopes to the five last guys they chose to tether their hopes to. Uh, I they're not guys that you make a they're great for a for racking up regular season accolades uh, going into the postseason with a lot of hype getting to ESPN coverage I'm sure they lead the league in that uh, hours talked about by Stephen A Smith on TV I'm sure they're number one in that category but look around these are not guys that on their own lead you to an NBA championship so. What do you do? I think you take a serious look inward at yourself as a front office and think about what you actually think it takes to win a championship. I still can't believe that somebody said that I know all about sore asses. <laughs> the Nets are a mess. They have no money. Ben Simmons is a disaster. Who the hell knows if he's even going to play? Like, I'm not even confident that he's going to play next season. Kyrie's a train wreck. If you keep him on the roster, he's just going to be a pain in the ass. Kevin Durant can't be the only man who is capable of doing something because he'll break down just like he did during the season. He wasn't really – what What'd you say? I said emotionally. He'll break down emotionally. Right, he'll break down emotionally. Physically, I mean, he was out for a while with the knee injury. He didn't really play that well in the playoffs. Um, Bruce Brown's going to want more money, and I don't even think the Nets can afford him. Joe Harris, who the fuck knows what he's doing these days. They don't have a good center. Andre Drummond's okay, but he's got his weaknesses. Nico Claxton is either hit or miss, depending upon the day. LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin are 50 years old, and... Cam Thomas, who the fuck knows happened to him? Patty, like the the whole team is just a disaster. Steve Nash is not a good coach. Um, they they're not a good team. I mean, they seem to have gone to the school of Los Angeles Lakers, how to build a team in terms of let's get all the old people, and let's see what happens. Well, I mean, they're better than the Lakers. I mean, they are better than the Lakers, but. To be fair, not by much. Lakers have a championship to show for it as of, you know, a couple years ago. I, that I was in a bubble. I don't care. Sure. But, like, how much hardware are you guys hanging for the Nets? You know, they or you know, banners, whatever they, you know, whatever they hang up there. But, it, you know, I, I think that you shouldn't try to emulate somebody if you don't think you can do it better. And clearly they've shown that they cannot. Right. And the the thing was, like, yes, this year they, they made the play-in, they got themselves to the playoffs, but then they got there and obviously fell very flat. All right, but they've done a better job, though, than the Lakers have. What the Lakers do? They this season Russell, they did, yes. They got Russell Westbrook, who didn't play that well, no fault to his. I'm not going to blame him for that. Anthony Davis, we all know how I feel about Anthony Davis. LeBron's 90. <laughs> All right, so their their bench guys: Avery Bradley, Carmelo Anthony, uh, Dwight Howard, Austin Reeves. Austin, they, they got <laughs> rid of Alex Caruso. Taylor Horton Tucker is playing like garbage. When you look at the Nets, at least they drafted, drafted, drafted. Yes, yes, okay, drafted well. <laughs> they, you know, they have they have Cam Thomas, and the moves they made were better. 
And, and the Nets would have been better had it been not for because the Nets won games when Kevin Durant was playing. True. You can't really say that for the Lakers, even when Anthony <clears throat> Davis was in the lineup. So I still think the Nets are a far better team. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I definitely think they're a better team as well. But to say that like the Lakers are that much worse, I don't think, especially if you look at the ter- in terms of their finish, they didn't finish that much better than the Lakers did in terms of the Nets. But either way, I agree with this whole trade Ben Simmons thing. I mean, if you're going to trade him, you're not getting much for him. You're probably going to get, like, maybe a pick and an okay player, like a young player that might have a little bit of potential, but you don't really know because no team, especially now with the whole thing of, like, all these reports saying, oh, the Brooklyn Nets wanted him to at least try to play, and he wouldn't even do that, and he didn't even show up to the last game. And, uh, like, somebody saw his... um, the thing on discord where he was playing call of duty for 23 hours straight like no wonder you got a sore back if you're sitting there playing call of duty for almost 24 hours in a row that's why my back's been bothered <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry did we not know who this guy was back after his first year at lsu was there not fair and ample warning to exactly the kind of player that ben simmons was going to be when he decides to not go play in the NIT and the rest of the LSU roster and coach follow suit, despite the fact that there's an entire other team behind him that could have gotten postseason experience. Do we not know exactly who this guy was? Whoever took a chance on him past that, that is your problem. I mean, that, then he also gave up on the Australian Olympic team. When I mean, who wouldn't? When Patty Mills and all of them were like behind him and, and supporting him. And then goes to Brooklyn, gets out of Philly like he wanted to, still can't even get on the court. And now it's like, oh, my back, my poor back. But he, he attributed that to mental health concerns. So who are you to question <laughs> him? I'm going to question him. I would also say that for mental health concerns, I would also recommend against playing Call of Duty for 23 hours. Of straight <laughs> <laughs> I I up there. <laughs> Having kids call you all sorts of racial slurs and curse words for 23 hours straight? I don't think that's great for your mental health either. Not great for self-esteem from what I've heard, but he shouldn't probably go on the internet if he's got self-esteem concerns. That's why I stopped playing. They were calling me sad all the time. <laughs> But if I'm the next, I got, I got called fat by an eight-year-old. Trust me, I had to get <laughs> off of that thing. <laughs> um, if I'm the Nets, I don't want to extend Kyrie. I have to though. I know you kind of have to, but I don't want. To. Just like if I'm the Sixers, I don't want to extend James Harden. Unless Harden's gonna be like, I'll take ten mil a year. I'd be like, all right, cool, we'll do that. But anything outside of that, especially. Like, what happens, God forbid, if something else happens with COVID again? What happens if, you know, the there's a shooting star on the third Tuesday of the third month, which means Kyrie can't play basketball anymore because the, the sky is telling him that he can't do it? Like, then what? He's a spiritual guy. <laughs> he just like, somebody's take him right off the flat side of the earth. 
you're questioning somebody's mental health. You're questioning somebody's faith. And you, you know, yes. that's shame on you. <laughs> I'm questioning the same things you questioned earlier this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, the, the thing is, Kyrie's going to get more money by staying in Brooklyn. He's not going to, yeah. you know, that's his incentive. Um, I mean, if you're the Nets, you kind of have no choice but to kind of risk it because you're not going to get by letting him walk you're certainly going to set yourself back so and i and i don't think uh kd is going to want him going anywhere and i think ben simmons nobody's you're not going to get anything for him either which is the problem that philly had which is why they they literally had to give up seth curry audrey drummond draft picks ben simmons for James Harden, and Paul Millsap. That was the deal. In order to get rid of Ben Simmons, because they had no leverage whatsoever, they were trying to get as much as they could, and all they got was a washed-up 50% James Harden. I will continuously just be pissed off they didn't do the trade for Halliburton. I just got that one. Yep. Uh, Hallib- as soon as I heard Halliburton's name mentioned, I'm like, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And then James Harden and Paul Millsap. <laughs> you hear how insane this is? What we're saying is that they're, like, their only course of action, it seems like, is to keep things exactly as is. That's the situation <laughs> they've gotten themselves into. It's, like, it's so funny to watch this happen, you know, and, and it's like... It's like a, a car wreck when you see it coming in slow motion. It's like, I, I loved it, you know, all this analysis and talk that we see on TV and, and what we're doing now. It almost seems so unnecessary because it's like, don't we all know where this is headed? And it's headed exact right here, which is, oh, I guess their only, I guess their only hope is to keep things as is and hope that their three stars, stars turn into completely different people overnight by the time the next season starts. That's, that's the best hope. That's the NBA right now, man. <laughs> That's just well, kind of depressing. <laughs> and the net, in all fairness, had had the Nets had Kyrie um, been able to play, I think the Nets could have gelled a little bit better. They would have gotten on the the Nets are infamous for going on long winning streaks. So I think the the COVID and everything's been fucking everybody up terms of player availability and things like that so um it even helped the lakers win a championship because when you get four months off and you can rest you know a 35 year old lebron or whatever he was at that time sure so you know fuck COVID, i guess but uh, you know <laughs> I, I think if the nets come back next year and they make some tweaks and stuff i think they're gonna be okay i mean define okay I mean, I've given up. I've given up championship aspirations, but you never know. I mean, if Ben Simmons can come back and just play defense, and you know, KD could stay healthy and Kyrie can stop being an idiot, then I think we're okay. Okay, that's a big parlay there, Dennis. <laughs> I'll I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um. All right. One of the other, I guess we. I mean, the Boston Celtics and the Bucks. we can talk about them later on if we really want to. But the one thing I'm curious about are the Pascal Siakam trade rumors. 
my question is, why would Toronto want to trade Pascal Siakam? Especially with the fact that he was a big part of the reason why the Raptors could compete in that series against the Sixers. And one of the biggest reasons that like they had some success was their big lineup. And they actually like forced the Sixers into some really bad situations defensively. And so now they're just going to turn around and be like, ah, Siakam's not going to help us win past this. Well, here's the thing, too, that's interesting now is, you know, you got Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell not getting along as usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a surprise. I mean, we, we could see that coming. I mean, that's been going on for years. And that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, you know, those two guys not getting along. Now we got, you know, I could see something like that maybe happening, a Rudy Gobert pet. But the, the, the Toronto Raptors don't need to do that. Mm-mm. The Raptors would be completely fine when you think Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes was already NBA ready in his first year. Imagine how good he's going to be in year two. I think he's going to be 10 times better in year two. Hopefully he doesn't get that sophomore slump and go back, but I don't, I don't see that happening. I just think he's too good. The, if the, the Raptors add a couple more pieces, maybe they get some bench help, some guys who can actually help them so they don't have to run their starting lineup. You know, 35, 40 minutes per game because that's where if o, if OG Ananobi could stay healthy, if Fred Van Vliet could stay healthy, the Raptors are the real deal. I mean, their biggest needs are a center and bench guards. Because after Van Vliet and OG Ananobi, you don't really have any guards. I mean, you have like Malachi Flynn and so as Delano you were saying, they don't have they don't have any guards. Yeah. So, like, they have these young guys that just aren't turning out to be anything. But they, they did have Goran Dragic, and then Dragic was like, oh, I want a better team with championship aspirations, got his ass swept out of the first round, and then back to reality. Um, I mean, so- the way Dragic was playing, though, with the Nets, he could have been not a huge difference maker, but he could have added some value to the Raptors. Agreed. But the things that they need can be found either in free agency or minor trades, not a major trade involving Pascal Siakam. I think I think they could do it cheaper than that. I, I think that this is an organization that has proven on enough instances that they can find guys in the second round to those UDFA signings that I don't think that why take a chance on moving a guy like Pascal Siakam to where – I mean – at least for like the supposed trade packages that they would get in return to a place like Portland, let's say, I don't think are all that enticing. Unless you really think you, you really think you see far enough ahead to make something of those picks, I think that they can trust their organizational competence and you know move forward with the pieces that they have, considering that they were you know. I mean, light years away, uh, light years ahead of where I thought they would be this year. So you know. I think that to move Pascal would be to show actually a little less faith in, you know, your front office and in your organizational way of thinking. I I think that that what they have right now, 
I think that they can um, they can address their needs in a much more economically efficient way than trading Pascal Siakam and having to you know take a percentage off of a premium for you know the projections that you're making for the draft or guys you might get in return that might be throwaway pieces because you just want the picks. Yep. But what he said. (laughs) I mean, the way that Precious played in this postseason made Ken Birch disposable. So Love Precious. Precious, that that was another guy. Those Memphis guys, man. Those those Memphis forwards. And, you know, that guy just just uh does a few things really really well and it eliminates the need to go out and get all these really you know these five tool guys you know for for baseball terminology to get a guy like precious that can go out and do a few things really well it's um it's what um it's what they do freddie gillespie really could be for another team if he just found the right opportunity honestly right right i completely agree and that makes, you know, some of the guys they have, you know, th- there could be a rebuilding team that might want to give Malachi Flynn a shot. Why not send him somewhere and see what you could get for him? Or Delano Banton, I mean, showed some promise in the G League. So maybe either give him some more minutes or trade him and see what you can get for him to like a Oklahoma City. Because obviously they're just never trying to compete again ever. So, um they're definitely I, I agree there's definitely way more economic deals and signings they could make than to trade Siakam. So, Imagine if Bruce Brown went to Toronto. That would be perfect. He would be perfect for that. There's an idea. They would wreck Brooklyn every time. <laughs> well, I am a Raptors fan now, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um all right, so Let's move to the West. We're, actually, we'll move to Utah because we brought them up, and then we'll get to Memphis. So we brought up the whole Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell thing. I mean, I feel like the obvious answer is they should trade Rudy Gobert. At least in my head, that's the obvious answer. No way, because what's going to happen is they're going to trade Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell's going to be happy for three months, and then all this bullshit again is going to start up about Donovan Mitchell wanting to go to the Knicks. Yeah, but... If you trade Rudy, I'm also saying not just Rudy Gobert. You trade Rudy Gobert. You trade Jordan Clarkson. You trade. I'm. Mean, you cut trade, ship away, throw off the bridge, Mike Conley. Um, like all of these guys, except maybe Bogdanovich. Just get out of there. Because no one's help. None of them are helping you win a championship. So if you're trading Rudy, you're also trading a bunch of these other guys to actually get some people around Donovan Mitchell. Well, here's what you need to do then. I think you should just trade everybody. <laughs> I mean, you could do that too. Because <laughs> Donovan Mitchell is not going to steal. He won't, he's not going to last his contract in Utah. I mean, I don't think Donovan Mitchell could win a championship as the number one option. I think that's the biggest problem is that – for guys of his talent level and his skill set, what they bring to the floor, he is never going to beat the top 0.001% of the NBA from that range of, you know, guys two to four, which there's almost no distinction between those positions now in the NBA. 
I think that Donovan Mitchell, you know, we see some sort of future where maybe him and Zion pair up in New York. I, I think that's been, you know, where the links have been headed for a few years, whatever, for on that for now. I think the, the weird thing about Gobert is we see this with a lot of centers. I mean, we, we kind of saw it with Hassan Whiteside, and we're not really talking the same level of skill and talent in, in Gobert and some of these guys. But Gobert is like one year away from being like a minimum deal guy. We see this with certain guys that, you know, the, the shot blockers and the rebound. What we saw with Rudy Gobert and the Jazz this postseason was a severe limitation of that team just from having him on the floor. One of their greatest assets was a reason why they were never going to win that series. And that's obviously a huge problem. And a lot of teams took note of that. It was a huge discussion point during that series. I think you can get something for Rudy Gobert, but I, I think that there's a very limited window when you can cash in on that to make it worth it. Because as I said, I think he's about a year or two away from being, you know, like he's now with the Nuggets on a 10-day contract. Now he's with the Rockets on a 10-day And that's crazy to think. For, you know, what he does on the floor, but you see what, you know, the way that he limits his team when it matters the most. I think it's a little bit of the 10 day contract thing is a little bit. It's a little bit of an exaggeration. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, there was two guys, Dennis, that I told you before that will get game planned off the floor in the playoffs. Andre Andre Drummond and Rudy Gobert. And look where Rudy Gobert's at. (laughs) Well, like like I said, they just they need to just get rid of the whole team. I mean, yeah, probably. I mean you got you got people from the Knicks coming to watch Donovan Mitchell play basketball. (laughs) I I don't know if that says more about the Knicks or or the Jazz. That's where the next scouting department is, is in Utah. I mean, the straight-up question, should they trade Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell? If I'm given only those two choices, I say trade Rudy Gobert. I I think that – but I think if you're going to, you know, keep Donovan Mitchell, there has to be some sort of plan in place to get another guy of his caliber or higher to pair up with him in a way that doesn't limit him as much as Rudy Gobert, and I think their possibilities for that are extremely limited. I think it's time to hit the reset button and time to build around Trent Forrest. Where's Mia One? I loved when he was with Utah. Getting the, getting those three minutes every uh, every few days. Where where's he at now? I love that guy. I wish I got three minutes every few days. Any Ivy <laughs> leaguer that goes to the NBA, I pay attention to. Uh, like uh, oh, what was the one that Utah had right before him? Oni. That's who I that. That's who I, I thought that that I said. Maybe saying Mia One was oh, it doesn't yeah. come across very clear, but that, that's what I meant at least. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the main thing is if the big thing is Donovan Mitchell is going to give you the bigger return in terms of a trade because with Rudy Gobert, everyone knows what he does and he does it well, and to me. Rudy Give everybody Gobert. COVID. <laughs> I mean, he did do that very well. <laughs> He's the reason the Lakers won a championship. He should have been signed to the day. Lakers the whole time. I will remember the day that you hear the the Jazz uh, have gotten that game is delayed. The Jazz are in quarantine in the locker room. Is like, huh? I think the world's going to be a little different now. <laughs> I think they were playing the Mavericks. I think yeah. they were too. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of the Mavericks, I think it was them. Who who played the Jazz in the first round again? It was the Mavericks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there was the the post the press game uh, post game press conference where the Mavs were saying like, "Oh yeah, we can't we can't really attack the basket as much. Like that's not." It's not, we're not playing against Whiteside and Gobert anymore. Which is like, that's supposed to be what they're the best at. Both of them is guarding the rim and defense in general. And this is the other team who just played you saying, oh, we can't attack this other team because they're not as bad as Gobert and Rudy White and Whiteside were. Yeah, like they actually have, they, they say like something like they actually have guys who could score underneath or so like something yeah. along those lines yeah and they and he compared them to ayton and javel mcgee shacked in a fool <laughs> like if there's if they're referencing the fact that they like that javel mcgee is more of a threat that's terrible I mean, it just shows that there's a very clear difference with a lot of guys between your shot blocking numbers and how disruptive you are to, you know, the internal scoring. And, you know, I'd have to look at a little deeper into the numbers on guys like Gobert on Whiteside to actually speak to that. But, you know, clearly that's the way teams are feeling. That's the way teams are playing. And they've had success with it. So it's hard to argue with. Yeah. I mean, if you want a great 12 minutes, Hassan Whiteside is your guy. Sometimes that's all you need, but the uh, the jazz needed a little. I more need less of that, pal. <laughs> Something about like the motion of the ocean, or <laughs> <sighs> Tyler asked if Mitchell is overrated. Yes, it's. I hate the overrated question, or not. You know, I don't hate the overrated question. I hate the overrated answers. You know, because like it depends who's rating them. If if someone is speaking like. They think Donovan Mitchell can lead a team as the best player on a team to a championship. It's like I call it Paul Millsap syndrome. For years, Paul Millsap was the most underrated guy in the NBA. So he wasn't underrated anymore. We talked about him all the time. It depends what you consider to be rating. And, you know, if you, I think there's a very easy way to look at Donovan Mitchell objectively and see exactly what he's capable of and exactly who he's for. But, are the Jazz maybe a little foolhardy in thinking that he's the guy moving forward? If that is the plan, then yeah, then I, I do think so. Yeah, no, I agree because everyone's looking at Donovan Mitchell as he should be the number one guy on a championship team, and like we just said, I don't, I don't think he is for a championship team. I think he would be a the perfect two man. He'd be the perfect sidekick, but I don't think he would be. The number one guy. No, he's. I think he's better than a two, but he's more like a one point two five. He's that. he's not like good enough to be like, but he's good, like really good. Like him alongside like Jason Tatum, right? Have Jason be, um, Tatum is the number one guy, right? Like that would be really really good. I'm not saying like he's better or worse than Jalen Brown, but uh, that's just the first person that came to mind. Um, but. Golden State and Memphis. Golden State's new death lineup that everyone's been coining it now with Jordan Poole and everything has been pretty great. Um, Draymond Green got himself ejected and like paraded around the court after that. I'm I'm surprised the NBA didn't do anything about that. Um, 
Yeah, that but, was a, a horrible ejection, though. I've seen people oh, get fouled way harder than that, and they didn't even get a flagrant. So I agree. I agree. Sure, he gets um, called differently because of who he is. You know, it, it, people expect it more. It's it, it's a lot like what happens to Demarcus Cousins too. At least on some occasions, you know, it, it's when you expect something from someone, they what you see feeds into your expectations of them, and it makes you act differently than you would for others. And so, yeah, but also you gotta love Draymond's reaction because he's always just vintage him. You gotta love that. You gotta love the authenticity. Oh yeah. And then and then he went and recorded a podcast after that. <laughs> that was my favorite part about that whole thing. And then he showed the video of Luca getting kicked in the nuts and he just put like laughing emojis because nobody was uh ejected or anything for that, but he was suspended obviously with that whole thing with LeBron and against Cleveland. Um yeah, but so, when, you're, when you're a pain in the ass throughout your career, that's like Brady said, that's what happens. You get called differently because you're historically you're a pain in the ass. No, that's true. That's true. Um, it's like look at the uh like like the the you know, if if, if Draymond was, was actually playing and didn't get suspended for the for the one game in the series with Cleveland, Cleveland would have never beat them. No, not at all. That that whole thing would have been completely different. So so, Brady, in your mind, do you think Memphis is going to pull this one out? Will John Morant continue to be the hero that he has been? Or is Golden State just a little too tough to get over this first like playoff run for this Memphis core? First of all, I think John Morant will continue to be a hero regardless. I think that whatever John Morant, the, the legend of him has been, you know, steadily building, deservedly so. He he's really taken a lot of, you know, he's captured the imaginations of people. He's, I mean, that dunk that he had, that there is nobody that puts people on a poster like John Morant at a Murray State, Kentucky, second point guard in the NBA playoffs right now at a Murray State. Gotta love that. But I think that, you know, most likely outcome of this series is probably Golden State and seven. I think then you go Golden State and six, and then I think you go Memphis and seven. I think those are the three most likely outcomes. I think too much of Memphis' success is going to depend on the continued heroic performances on a lot of their bit players, like Brandon Clark. I love what Tyus Jones does in his minutes on the floor. Uh, guys like DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain has been out of this world efficient, not only this season, but since he's come into the NBA. Uh, he's a he's a much different player this season than he was last year. Sure. I mean, I just mean his shooting efficiency. I mean, he's been like a 46 percent three point shooter since he came into the NBA. And, and that was you know pretty disgusting. Consistent. Yeah, he, he's been <laughs> sick. Uh, and he was what? And. An, either a late first round or an early second round. I think it was late first round. And then they got, um, then they got Xavier Tillman uh, early in the second. But I mean, that's another guy too. I, I I think that Golden State has way too many pieces that you just know are going to deliver night in and night out. Um, I think Taylor Jenkins and Memphis are still putting together and, and there's still a lot of different things for the roster that, you know, little idiosyncrasies that are going to come together over the next year or two. I think that Golden State is going to be a really about as any other matchup. I think I, I would give Memphis a lot more of a chance, but Golden State with with the pieces that they have that have done this year in and year out, the real core of those championship teams, 
and now you know they're they're making uh, innovative adjustments in their lineup that are you know helping to evolve. They end up stealing that game by a point in game one. I think it's going to be really hard for Memphis to overcome that. But the legend of John Morant continues to grow. And the way we look, I said this a couple years about. I either said this at the beginning of last year or a little earlier. I said it's possible that we will look back at Ja, Jaron, and Desmond Bain for the Grizzlies, similar to how we look back at Russ, KD, and James Harden with the Thunder when they were all there. I, I, there's obviously some differences there. there. There's some room for argument. But I think in terms of the, the talent that we did not realize until they're gone that was together, I, I think that this is as strong as a young court gets as we have in Memphis right now. Saw you raise your eyebrow, Dennis. I can't follow that. <laughs> Fuck am I gonna say? <laughs> that <laughs> I mean that that was beautiful. I can't like, you know. No, I mean I definitely agree that Steven Adams. Woo. <laughs> Don't throw my man Steven Adams under the bus. Uh he's not the, I mean I would I, I Valachunas was playing. Where's Steven Adams been? Don't Steven, do it. Steven Adams, you know, he's getting Mr. Protocols, not even playing right now. Jonas Valachunas is so much of a man. You see that hair he had? He had better hair than I do. <laughs> it's too I much mean, of a man for protocols. Jonas Valachunas would have been out there. No, but honestly, the 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 uh, Grizzlies are better off without him playing because Brandon Clark playing out of his fucking mind. Clark has been amazing. He was huge in the, the first round, so... That, I mean, that's perfect what they got going on right now. And, and Clark was a guy they were looking, really thinking about moving past, you know, depending on the results of this year. And now, like, this changes things completely. I, I mean, Brandon Clark, his efficiency, the, the range of what he has demonstrated he's able to do on the court, um, you know, not so much to the entirety of this season, but really when things got, you know, got to their highest stakes. I think he's really come through. And what Memphis has shown again is that they're really good at selecting bench and role players uh, through through a variety of different means. As I said, I'm a big Tyus Jones guy ever since he's been in Memphis. I I love what he does off the bench. I love what John Conchar is capable of. uh, And and I think that there's a few guys, even at at the G League level, that I wish they would have utilized a little more this season that, that didn't get that opportunity, but I think would have been real assets down the stretch here. I did go on record and say Tyus Jones is the best point guard in the uh, backup point guard in the league. I, I, depending on how you define backup point guard and across different situations, I would agree. Traditional backup point guard, I think that's an objective analysis. I would definitely agree with that. All right, let's not fucking overcomplicate this. What I'm <laughs> saying is, John Moran's hurt, which happens a lot. I mean, with you know, that kind of eth- explosive athleticism that you're going to get her. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, anyways, John Moran gets hurt and it's always like he's out. They say he's going to be out seven weeks with a knee injury. He's back and forth. So Tyus Jones is that like, if they didn't have Tyus Jones, they could play well without John Moran because they had Tyus Jones who played well. He plays well. I'm talking standard. Okay, I'm sorry, honey. You know. 
the the only guy I haven't really heard much from this season, even though like a lot of people in Memphis have been making some noise, is Kyle Anderson. He's always quiet, you know. Yeah. He kind of uh, he's got that like kid and play haircut, and so <laughs> it seems like something out of a time capsule. But like, I actually got to see him play back at Poly Pavilion, like when he was still at UCLA with Shabazz Muhammad and whatnot. And you know, he's he's got his his shots ugly, but you know. There's not a statistical category that he can't produce in if in the right role and in the right lineup. But you know he's never gonna he's never gonna like blow anybody away. But he's a guy that you like to have on the floor because he can contribute in every single way possible. Um, you know, just less efficiently in the offensive uh, department. Right. Well, he's a guy who showed upside in San Antonio, played well enough to get a good contract, moved to Memphis, and now he's doesn't have to do anything. He's like epitome pop. Like that's oh, that's, that's, yeah. that's a Popovich player right there. Yeah. <laughs> Pop probably was crying when he left. Oh yeah. Pop's like, damn it, now I have to do Lonnie Walker. I gotta find another color. <laughs> <laughs> but um no, Memphis has been amazing to just watch in general, especially as somebody who doesn't have any skin in the game like just watching them play basketball it's fun and i'm glad jaron jackson finally is staying on the healthier side of things because his potential was always there it was always talked about it was always like these are the things he can do if he just stays healthy he can be that that center that they desperately it's been one season i know i know it hasn't been an extended period of time but it's promising yeah, the difference is now it's no longer what could be. We've seen what he is able to do with this time. And so now it's not this thing out there in the ether. Now it is, this is what he, now we just needed to continue, you know? So it's it's just always good to see someone turn that corner, actually play and actually produce those results that in your wildest dreams you would have hoped at the maximum they can do. Right. Yeah, honestly, though, like he, he had a little couple rough games and – Thank, thankfully, they had Brandon Clark. I'm a Brandon Clark guy. I, I saw you transforming mid-episode. <laughs> Isn't it fantastic to see that the teams that are stealing the attention in this NBA postseason are the front offices that are doing things right and have assembled these exciting young teams with the right pieces in place? You know, It's not just the money that is winning because that's what we hear all the time. And I remember back in the day, remember when it was uh, Steve Nash, Kobe, and Dwight Howard on the same Lakers team, and all those memes were coming out like, well, I guess we'll see the Lakers in the finals. And it's like, why do we do that every year? It never works out like that, ever. But finally, all the most exciting teams in this year's playoffs have been the teams whose front offices have gotten it together and made fantastic moves. And, you know, if their roster isn't exactly where it's supposed to be this year, it's headed – perfectly in the right direction yeah i mean i've i've been saying that for these super teams never work i completely 100 percent agree yeah especially the whole formula of get the super team sign all the veterans chasing rings that worked that's worked maybe like what once or twice in the last like 20 years barely yeah yeah, I mean, it takes different forms, you know, like it, as time goes on, teams have more money and different, you know, veterans adapt their their wants and needs. I mean, yeah, you know, we've seen NBA teams with like a bunch of ring chasing veterans before that 
you know, arguably had better pieces in place before then. But I mean, it, it's just it, it's such a broken record at this point. It's such an overplayed narrative. And, you know, it, it's why it's really hard to feel bad for any teams or fan bases that, you know, find themselves in this situation. What did you think was going to happen? How can you blame Russell Westbrook for whatever's going on in L.A., man? And that was what was on TV all day, every day on ESPN. Is, is Russ to blame? No, the Lakers are to blame, man, because they, they paired Russell Westbrook up with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So he's a Kentucky guy. I love the brow, but he's not a guy that you want to pay that amount of money for, and he's not going to be on the floor. Street clothes, as Charles Barkley refers to him as, it, it's – it's it's a shame that I have to refer to him that way, but he has been a liability. He he's just costing you money at this point. Unless you're making your money back in jersey sales. Street clothes is also Dennis's favorite phrase. <laughs> I like you said rim chasers. Ring chasers. Ring chasers. Oh. You say a bunch what of guys you? who like Rim, <laughs> rimming. What are you thinking over there? Jeez. I was like, rim. Mm. <laughs> they got my nickname from high school. <laughs> <laughs> the rib chaser. Oh, God. <sighs> but, no, I agree. The, the, the whole thing's overplayed. At this point in the game, it's just like, you have to have those either young or those, like, go-getter role players that are going to play that role but play it to the fullest extent. Like, at least when, you know, Golden State had, like, David West, it, everyone was looking at him as a ring chaser, but David West was playing his ass off. Like, he was diving after loose balls. He was doing this and that. He wasn't just, like, you know, trying to be the prime David West and take over games or anything. He knew where he was in his stage of his, of his career, so that's the kind of guys you need you don't you don't need like you know lamarcus aldridge thinking he's you know god's gift to basketball still and taking every single mid-range shot when you have the rest of the team there you don't need deandre jordan thinking he's you know still in lob city when he can't even get off the ground anymore there's so many things that go into the formula now that you can't just the Sean Livingston's, the Iguodala's, exactly. you know, those guys where they add something completely different that you cannot measure in a, uh, measure in a statistical category that young, young players with all the skills and talent in the world probably just can't produce unless you've been in the NBA that amount of years and you've been in those situations before and you're battle-tested enough. Exactly. I will say it's only been to change the subject a little bit. We're only through one half in Boston. Jalen Brown, through one half, has 25 points, two assists, two rebounds, two steals, and a block through one half. Damn. Celtics are up by... The Bucks right now. The Celtics are up by 25. Jeez. 65 to 40. Good Lord. Well, so the last topic of the night was going to be, do the Boston Celtics have a chance against the Bucks to win the series? I think we answered that question. <laughs> I think that's uh yeah they got a pretty good chance. I, I mean, it, it, it's hard to quantify exactly what has changed other than Brad Stevens is now you know in a front office role, but it seems to have made you know such a, a huge difference. Marcus Smart, arguably coming off the the best year of his career, Robert Williams, the the whole makeup of that team, you, you gotta love it as you know just a basketball. What what Dennis? Let's not get rock hard. 
for one fucking game, all right? They got to win four games. It's the season, Dennis. It's that before any other Celtics team that came into the playoffs these years before, they were they were an exciting team because of their lead two, but they weren't a real threat to make it past the Eastern Conference Finals, and that was not a given. This team, based on what they're doing, you know, the fact that they can even, you know, start off with a 1-0 lead potentially – against the Bucks is is galaxies from where I think they were in previous seasons. I mean, do we do you remember the first part of the season what a shit show it was? Wasn't great. I'll give you that. No. And then they beat a bunch of crappy teams to to advance in the Eastern Conference. That's they they got to win they got to win four games against Giannis. Not going to happen. Yeah, but there's no Middleton. Which is which does make a difference, especially I mean, offensively. It did it in game one. No, but it is right now. So far, and we in game still two. have another. We have another half of basketball left. Oh, I agree. I'm just saying. You know, Middleton was always good for two to three games of like thirty points. Yeah, but so, this isn't the Bucks team. All they have Drew Holiday now. They had Drew Bobby Holiday Fultis last year. Is playing well. Well, I'm he was saying, playing like, well last year. What? Hold on, quit jumping all over me. I'm saying <laughs> this isn't the Bucks from like, you know, years ago when it oh, was yeah. like Giannis and Chris Middleton. Right. They added Drew Holiday for that reason. Bobby Portis is playing well. Brooke Lopez is back. Grayson Allen, Conifton, they got guys who can score or and do just enough. The Celtics aren't that deep. They aren't. They might win a game or two, but they're not going to be. They're not. They can't beat the Bucks in four games. They I mean, can't win four games against the Bucks. I mean, ain't, ain't happening. I think. I think they can. Do I think they will? No. But I think they can. I think again in this regard, I think the most likely three scenarios is Milwaukee by in seven, then Boston in seven, then Milwaukee in six. I think those are the three most likely outcomes for this series. I mean, you're really going uh, uh, a limb naming three. Why don't you just throw five out there? <laughs> I, I mean, I say there's there's seven likely scenarios that can happen in all this. The Celtics in five. The Bucks in five, like Yeah, but I don't think those are gonna happen. That's why I went with three, and that's why <laughs> I did the the tier system with my hand here. <laughs> You're smarter than I am. I just have to pick on you to make myself feel better. <laughs> um but I think that Middleton. Wow, leave being... the hair like you had it. That was great. I know real high. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> um Middleton being out is definitely an impact. And then um, the big thing about the Celtics is I just wish they had a good distributing, playmaking, like, floor general. Like, Marcus Smart is good. I like Marcus Smart. What he brings to the table is something that every team wants. But if they just had a point, like, prime Rondo would have been amazing with this team. I don't know like, how you handled uh, all these uh, all these young players uh, taking taking that limelight in the locker room though. Not, true. not you know Rondo again, Kentucky. Um, that's a guy that anytime that you bring him in, it's like, well, he wasn't getting along very well with other people in the locker room. <laughs> it's like, well, there was no sample size to tell you that that was going to happen, right? 
Exactly. I just mean that play style, though. Yeah. If they had a point guard like that, like then I'd be like, yeah, Boston to the finals. Yeah, I I, I agree. That is a, a clear hole in their roster, and you know. It, they are limited in, in some capacities, but if the question scrolling at the bottom of the screen there is, do the Boston Celtics have a chance against the Bucks? Yeah, I'll even say, I think Boston wins this series, Dennis. This is a, how I do things on tap that, as you know. I think Boston wins this series 35 to 40% of the time. 35 to 40 out of 100 series is how many yes. times Boston takes it. Uh, yes. They, they put the, the patented... Brady percentage. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I like That's how percentages percent. work is out of 100 usually, you know? So I, I can't claim I invented that, but I, I do make frequent use of it. Well, I took math three times, so I... <laughs> Which one? Second grade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. On that note, that's all the topics we have for tonight. So unless you guys want to get anything off of your chest, that's I think that's it for us. I think I got it all off in the uh, opportunity allotted. <laughs> Sweet. So, Brady, if you want to plug anything, the podcast, uh, social media, what, what you got? So, again, you can follow me at, on Twitter at RotoBrady, R-O-T-O-B-R-A-D-Y. And I host the Tap App podcast for RotoBaller, doing MMA, DFS, and sports betting picks for the UFC, Bellator, and whatnot uh, for RotoBaller.com. So check that out. We have a lot of special guests and stuff uh, that come on the show. It's a lot of fun. Sweet. And we'll have a bunch of those links down in the description for YouTube and in the description everywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, all that as well. Make sure you follow Brady and check out his podcast. But that is it for us. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files, the number one podcast on the number one division in the NBA, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. And we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.